Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 44 of the Jetman with the Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Jojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you today? I'm doing really well, man. I am between, between like events. So I have a brief moment to breathe and I'm using it to do this podcast. Yeah, I uh, I literally just got back into town from being away for, I think, what is it, 11 days? Yeah, you were gone for like a while. Uh, I just got back into town an hour ago, and now we are podcasting. So, Hooray! Um, not only have I not podcasted for two weeks, I haven't even listened to any podcasts for the last two weeks, so this is going to be a real adventure, Dave. Oh, I actually have been listening to a lot of podcasts because I've been on the road. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Catching up on Sawbones. Always delightful. Great it's a show. Real fun show. Yeah. So, so Dave, uh, today we are watching episode 44 of Jetman. It's called Majin Robot Veronica. But before we get hmm. into that, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So, our first star of the week, Matt, is I just got back from Virginia, right? So, I was down in Virginia for a thank you, because I've got two conferences, and they're like back-to-back. And last week was a church conference, and it was great, but there's not a whole lot of like fun goofs devoted to that. So, instead, I'm going to talk to you about kudzu vines, because they're terrifying. Uh, Please do. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So, the kudzu vine, and if you are from the South, you will know exactly what I'm talking about, but like they don't grow up north. The kudzu vine is this vine from Japan, right? Okay. And it's this, it's because it's fine in Japan because that's like where it goes. That's where it's from. And it has a thing that it's, you know, like there's some sort of part of the ecology of Japan that like keeps the kudzu vine in check. Mm-hmm. Not so in the southern United States. It got released here in like the 1800, like late 1800s at like a World's Fair or something. And here's the deal. It's super duper invasive because Uh nothing around here eats it, like naturally eats it, you know? Like you can cut it down and like feed it to goats or whatever, but like it doesn't have like a natural predator around here, right? Right. And it grows crazy fast. Like insane, like it has been recorded. This is not a joke. It has been recorded as growing up to 15 feet in a day. That's too fast. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know much about vines, Dave, but that is too fast. Like, that's not that like all day, every day. It's just, it has happened. Like, the plant is capable of doing that, right? So when you drive along highways in the south, like, okay, how this kudzu plant competes with other plants mm-hmm. is it literally, it like swallows them. It just grows up and around them and like envelops the other plant. Well, wow, that's rude. Yeah, and then just like blocks it off from sunlight so the other plant dies. Again, I'm no botanist, but I know a rude plant when I see one. So dude, so you drive along and you will just see patches of like a hundred feet and it's just it looks have you ever seen that show uh like after humans or after peoples or something? Uh yeah. Yeah, when it talks about, like, everything is, like, overgrown and destroyed. It looks like that, except it's nature. Like, there's just this, like, it's only one plant. It's just kudzu, and it has covered everything. 
it's like a terrifying it's like an alien like if there was like a, a movie about like a terrifying alien plant that conquered earth that wasn't little shop of horrors it would be about kudzu Dave, I'm going to be honest. When you told me today that the first star was going to be Kudzu Vines, and I didn't know what you were talking about, and you said, well, just wait till we start recording, I legit thought that you were talking about, like, the six-second video app, and that there was someone named Kudzu who was just doing some crazy videos <laughs> that you wanted to tell me about. No, I no, no. I had no idea that we were in for, like, a 18-something World's Fair botany terror like attack. Yeah, no, we're talking about legit vines here. And it's just like there's just no way to stop it. Cuz it's like, okay, cuz it's out of the pea family. Did I ever tell you Matt about the sweet pea vine that some jerk planted at my last house? I'll be very brief about this. But have I told you about this thing? Uh, not that I recall. Okay, some jerk cuz peas are a vine and they're invasive. And you can't like some idiot planted this vine at my house and like some previous now, owner or something. I was going to say, now, when you say some jerk, you mean a previous owner. You didn't yeah, have yeah, yeah. like Not me some or my sort wife. of botanical vandalism going on where people were going around your neighborhood planting vines. Right. No, somebody did it on purpose. But like, dude, I was trying to get this plant out and I dug, I kid you not, three and a half feet down trying to get in like a narrow thing to try to get the bottom of this vine out. It would pro- it popped up in my yard. It would just show up out of nowhere. And that's what this kudzu does because it spreads by like creeper vines, but also by seeds. You can't stop this thing. I think we're safe up north because like it doesn't do well with cold weather, but uh, it's only a matter of time before kudzu consumes the entire south. So sorry, guys. I guess that's the thing for you with that. The have south. fun with that. So, what, Matt, is our <laughs> second... What's our second star of the week? Well, our second star of the week, Dave, is, as I mentioned, I was on vacation. I just got back from, like, ten days in Cape Cod. Oh, lovely. Lovely oh, dude, part of the country. Dave, let me tell you. It was Do they all have... a joy. Do they all still have the Catherine Hepburn accent? Because that would be super exciting. No. In fact, <sighs> I don't think... I don't even Dang. think... That is an accent that I think was entirely fabricated. I don't think that was ever a real accent. No, it wasn't. There's actually a really interesting story about it that like I don't imagine people want to hear, but I'll tell you about it sometime. Anyways, okay. well, so you're hey, up in Cape Cod. If you're interested, look up uh, Dave. Does it have a name that they can Yeah, it's Google? like the... I'll look it up real quick. You talk about Cape Cod. So, Dave, once you cross the bridge into Cape Cod, two things happen. First okay. thing is that... Other than like the very first town when you roll into it, and then uh, sort of some Dunkin' Donuts spread throughout the Cape, there are I was no, <laughs> there are no no chain stores anywhere on Cape Cod. Sorry, Matt. I was I only laughed uproariously because as soon as you said no chain stores, I was about to say like except Dunkin' Donuts though, right? Oh yeah. Tons of Dunkin' Donuts. Dude, I don't get it. People in the Northeast freak out about Dunkin' Donuts. Guys, I hate to tell you, they're just not that good. Yeah, the donuts are pretty bad and the coffee's even worse. But if there's something that I'm missing, um, Northeastern New England listeners, please let me know. I'm genuinely curious what the fascination with it is. Matt, it is called the Mid-Atlantic Accent. Thank you. Sure. And that is the sort of Catherine Hepburn. It's, Harry it's Grant. Catherine Hepburn. Like if you look up Catherine Hepburn, that's she's got a mid Atlantic accent. It's like this weird, a quite like semi constructed thing. It's very interesting. Anyways, so no chain stores, no except Dunkin' Donuts. 
Um, the second thing is that basically every single house that you see as soon as you enter Cape Cod, like there are varying degrees of size and quality, but every one of those houses looks the exact same. It has the same shingles, the same trim, the same flowers out front, the same landscaping. It is just the same house, like copied over and over again. And it's not like, it's not like you roll into a development of McMansions and they're all the same. No, no, no. Like, you know, it's, it's not just... a constructed, like, artificial thing. It's just that's what the houses on Cape Cod look like. So being there for, like, like I said, over a week. Um, a... And then when I left today, seeing other styles of houses and buildings that were more than two stories tall, like, it kind of threw me off. It's a little, it's a little Stepford wifey. It is, but it's also it's also kind of cool because the whole place feels very like kind of back in time. Well, that's like that's and very much that, on yeah, purpose. That's yeah, point. like that's a thing. But yeah, dude, I love New England is gorgeous. It's all like ancient. It's all I I say ancient, like ancient for America. You know right. what I mean? Like the town I was staying in, I think, was incorporated in like 1693. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure Europe has like McDonald's that are older than America. I'm almost certain that that's true. Oh, dude! I mean, there are like large breweries that are like much older than America. But <laughs> yeah. But anyways, no, that's awesome. So it King was Con, gorgeous. Man. Yeah. So what? Uh, what else? Uh, so, okay, the, the next couple of, we're, we're gonna get out of Cape Cod near the end of the five stars, but the next couple of ones are just various things I saw in Cape Cod. Alright, hit me. Cape like, Cod is uh, a mysterious wonderland. I've never actually gone to, I've like, I went through Cape Cod, and then to like a different zone. Like a, like an adjacent, but not identical zone. Okay. You know what I'm saying? There's like a lot of lobster rolls happening. Sure, sure. Which so, I'll tell you, I got a lobster roll. It was very good. Yeah, lobster was better. You liked well, it. What what I have discovered, Dave, is that um, like I don't like seafood in Cleveland, but I okay. like on no one should. Yeah, like but you know, right next to the ocean. Turns out seafood pretty good, pretty good stuff. No, okay, no, delighted to hear it. Glad to know that that's the case. So now I'm still not. I'm not abandoning you know beef and uh, poultry, but. It's, you know, it's, it's opened up my eyes a little bit. Um, <laughs> but it's also really funny because, like, you know, so Cape Cod is like other places in that, you know, there are... Okay, so we're, like, in this little quaint town, right? Right. And there was a busker. But sure. since it was in yeah, Cape Cod, the busker, like, he wasn't playing a guitar or anything. He was just, like, standing on a street corner playing a fife. What? Yeah, just playing a fife as though he'd wandered out of like a painting of the Revolutionary War. He was a- he dr- was he dressed up? No, that's the thing. He wasn't dressed up. He was just this weird fife nerd. He had a ponytail. <laughs> like he had a ponytail and other like and it was kind of like up like a Revolutionary War ponytail like it wasn't a okay. long one. Um but other than that he was just wearing like a polo and some shorts and you could tell that like I think this is a dude who maybe does like reenactments of that era. He's like, well, I'm, I got nothing else going on tonight. May as well head into town and, you know, try do to a little, fife up some, some do a little spare change in the Dude, I just realized something. So, you know, I love tri corner hats, right? I do. Yeah. So, I am wondering, dreaming, hoping, I wonder if the popularity of Hamilton 
the multi-tony award-winning musical will perhaps inspire new fashion trends and I can get like a legit tri-corner hat and just wear it around as part well, of my I, life. I know you've been waiting for that moment for 15 I've years. I've been waiting for so long. It's not going to happen, but I can dream. So, Matt, uh, Cape Cod is cool but weird. What is our Fife Nerd? What is our third star of the week? Uh, third star of the week, Dave, is that I spent a lot of time on the beach this week. Just right like on. sitting on a beach and reading. Which Good to, I understand that that's like the thing to do in Cape Cod. A thing. It's one of many things that you can do. Okay, here, Dave, before I go on with this uh, start, let me, let me give you the list of things I did in Cape Cod. Sure. Um, we sat on a beach. Sounds good. We read books. Nice. Uh, we drank cocktails. I'm with you 100% so far. Uh, we ate seafood. Eh, I'm not so with you, but sure. Um, we sort of drove around to quaint little towns. And we visited charming shops. That's kind of all we did for like a week and a half. It's there. Well, okay. I said that there were many things to do in Cape Cod. I feel like you basically hit all of them. Like, oh, and I saw Jaws. Like, I feel like on the beach is the least good time to watch Jaws. Uh, they have like an annual showing of it at a theater in Cape Cod. That hmm. like the proceeds of it go towards like the Great White Conservancy uh, that's out there. Oh. That's nice, seeing as Jaws actually did do like a real number on Great White Sharks, like in real life. Oh, yeah. And it's really, it was really funny because the guy who ran like the Great White Shark Conservatory or Conservancy or whatever it's called. Whatever. Yeah. Um, he was talking, like there was a little commercial for it before we saw Jaws, right? And he's like, oh, you know, every summer, and he's very smiling, enthusiastic, every summer, this great population of sharks, you know, they come up to Cape Cod, they visit our beaches... Uh, they feed on the seals, and they just, you know, really add something special to the area. But the, the <laughs> like, the tone with which he threw in feed on the seals made it seem as though the seals were, like, these horrible rats that had been plaguing the island. And, like, the, their saviors, the great white sharks, had finally come to rid them <laughs> of the terror of beautiful, like, majestic seals. Um, dude, I did see, I saw a preview for this movie, The Shallows, and as far as I can, t- it's just, I think it's just Jaws. Well, like I mean, they it's, been, it's just... been a couple of years since we've had a Jaws. There's yeah, a Jaws every couple of years, Dave. And let me tell you, have you just so. seen Jaws? Like, Jaws is a good movie. Jaws is a very good movie. I, I don't am know about be any of the other shark movies, but that's, it's like, you know how Rocky, like, you forget that the first Rocky movie is actually really great. Yeah. Like, it's just a, a very quality piece of cinema. Right. Like, Jaws is a really good movie, and I kind of forget it because I haven't seen it in ages. I have... I'm going to be honest. I've never seen Jaws. I've never seen Jaws because I'm already uh, terrified of the ocean, and I just don't feel... Like, any time, anything, any, a piece of sand, seaweed touches my foot, in the ocean or even in a pool it's like i'm convinced that it's jaws so i just don't i've never seen jaws like even having never seen jaws i'm convinced that's a problem anyways so uh what matt is our so where the third star is somewhere in there i'm sure we oh gotta, yeah sorry the third star is um we went to the beach a lot and i am not a guy who is accustomed to sitting out on the beach that often Right. And so the first day or two, my sunscreen game, like, I tried. I did put sunscreen on. Mm-hmm. But I'm just oh. so unaccustomed to it that there was just, like, this stripe down the front of my left leg 
that the, like, you just missed it. Like, boy, I thought I got it. I really <laughs> did. And like, I finally figured it out a couple of days in, but there are just spots on me that are just like, oh yeah, everything else is fine. You've gotten a nice golden tan, but this weird angle of your arm or forehead just has this red blotch on it. Oh, oh God, sunburn is the worst. It's, I mean, it's fine. It really, it's not that big of a deal. I just like, I looked at myself two days in, I saw myself in the mirror, like, Matt, what have you done to yourself? (laughs) I really like the idea that there are like vacation specific skills that you just have to acquire or that you only would acquire in like certain situations. Like you just don't know, like I know how to swing an ax, not because we like camped as kids, but I'm not great at applying sunscreen. I spent those points differently. So what Matt is our fourth star of the week? Dave, fourth star of the week is just a, a brief moment that was this real sh- shining a highlight of my trip to Cape Cod. Is like I said, we went to a lot of shops, and there were a lot of antique shops. Yeah, um, yeah. Everything up- in New England is an antique. They don't actually make they don't make new things there. I don't know if you knew that. They just sort of collect the things that have been oh, yeah, previously and then made they and just- resell them to you. And then when somebody dies, it's like it's the circle of life. Like someone dies and then there's an estate sale and all of those possessions go back into the wild to be found by a new generation of New Englanders. No one, no one has manufactured anything in New England in, I think, 230 <laughs> years. That's a fact. So I, I was at a I was at an antique shop and I, oh, dude, I came so close to buying a harpoon. There was a harpoon for like $25 and I was going to bring it home and put it on my mantle. But then I realized that like we had driven there and there was just no way to pack a har- like a full-sized honest to goodness harpoon. Matt, I I have terrible news for you, Matt. You've made an awful mistake. <laughs> I know. Listen, I You've not, made Listen, if you if you think you're unhappy about this, try to imagine how I feel. I was you, holding you, that harpoon in my hands. Oh. Oh, that's, man, that's heartbreaking. I know. That's it's, legit. it's a real I, bummer. I am, I am genuinely astonished at how, at how honestly a little upset I am <laughs> that you don't own a harpoon now. So anyway, but that's, that is not the star. That would have been a black hole. The star, Dave, is that I was wandering through this really extensive antique shop. Like, there were a number of different buildings in a complex. Like, there was a house, and then there had been a barn outside, and like, it was all just full of antiques. Okay. All really lovely things. And then, I turned the corner in the barn, and sitting next to, like, the antique candlesticks and, like, the various nautical things that had been scavenged from old boats and were being sold as, like, decorative things. And yeah. cabinetry and furniture and, like, really wonderful stuff. There was a printer. Like, a Dell printer. Maybe about nine years old. <laughs> and there was just, a, like, a sticker on it that says, like, you know, like, old printer. Works great. <laughs> there was, but- like, another box next to it where you could buy, uh, like, whatever leftover... <laughs> like printer ink cartridges had come with this printer and like that was it like it was literally just like the printer was for sale as an like in the antique shop as though i had it's suddenly like, wandered into an like antique? a salvation army what dude i do not know it was <laughs> i i was marveling at it the whole rest of the day 
Dude, I mean, like, I guess eventually if you become old enough, all of the things of your life become antiques. I don't even know if they were trying to sell it off as an antique. They're just like, well. Or they're just like, well, we got this printer. Like, I, I don't want this printer anymore. And we have a shop. Like, maybe we can trick one of these tourists into buying our printer. <laughs> like, really lazy Craigslist. Like, I'm not going to bother going online. Just put a price tag on Look, it and I show already, it the I already own a shop. I do feel like there's a degree to which owning an antique shop just is like a perpetual garage sale. Like, if ever you have something in your house that you don't want, you could just kind of, like, slip it in there. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. So what, Matt? What? Oh, what? Is our fifth star of the week. Dave, fifth star of the week uh, is... You know what happened this week? Other than vacation? Other than uh, the final deletion, which was a thing that the Hardy Brothers did that you should totally go watch. It's astonishing. Even if you do not know anything about those two dudes, watching uh, Jeff and Matt Hardy wrestle in their backyard in like this cobbled together uh, wrestling ring... Surrounded by tiki torches and like shooting fireworks at each other and hiding under dilapidated boats. Dudes. What? I'm not doing it justice. Just Google the final Okay, yeah. As soon as we're done with... I already have it pulled up on my computer. I'm just waiting for you to finish this star so I could watch this thing. Okay, so... Um, the final star is that the other thing that happened... the, the, The really the big thing in my life right now is that Pokemon Go finally came out. Dude, and dude, I know wh- we we have talked about it sort of in potentiate a few times on the show, but I got it right now, Dave. While we have been talking during like star number three, a wild Spiro appeared in my bedroom. Uh, what caught that? I got I got all sorts of stuff, Dave. I got a Pidgeot. Oh yeah, that's right, fully evolved Pidgeot. It's great. Um, Con- so congratulations. I've just been trying to catch Dave. I don't know if you know this, but you got to catch all of them. And I am just doing my best. I'm doing my best out here. <laughs> so wait, okay. So you can't? Do you fight them? Like, do you fight other trainers? Is that the idea? Or um, do you just it, are you fighting gym leaders? Basically, What's... what happens is you find the Pokemon around. Like they sort of appear on a like basically it's like a Google Maps overlay. That's okay. Most of the app, and you're wandering around, and they appear, and then you press a button. Like, you click on them, and it shifts to a, the camera of your phone, and it shows you, like, wherever, you know, the camera is pointing at. So, like I said earlier, is in my room. I pressed the button, and the Spiro was just, like, sitting on my desk. And there's a little Pokemon, or a little Pokeball on the screen, and you flick it at the Spiro, and if you hit it correctly, it goes in the ball, and then you capture it. And then eventually, you can, like... You know, you level up by catching things and evolving them into their other forms, and then you have to uh, sort of, like, take and defend gyms. Like, you are the gym leader, I think. Oh, huh. I have not done this yet because I am level six. Uh, Dude, man, it seems so much fun, and I also just feel like I just can't. I can't let that... I can't open that box, man. Yeah, but you could. You really could. Dude, like, listen... Uh, down the street from me, the yellow team has captured the gym that is at the Liquid Planet. Uh, there's a there's a vape a vapari- a vaporeon. Is that how you pronounce that? You know what I mean. The, are the you water, wait? Sorry, hold up, eating. real quick. Is are you talking about a Pokemon or is there like a vape shop? No, no, no. The, you know how the Eevee transforms or evolves into like different 
forms based oh, on these yeah, yeah, like yeah. a oh, okay. fire stone. Yes, sorry. The these are deep. Use the water stone. Right, these are deep, deep cuts. Although Vapirion would be a great name for a e-cigarette store. It would be. That would be that out tremendous. There. Into the anyway, universe. Let's speak that into lot, existence. I don't have a lot to say on it yet. I've just been playing a lot of Pokemon Go, and it was kind of killing me when I was on vacation because I didn't have my car and I was staying with other people. So I would open up the app and see that, like, down the street there was a Venomat. I was like, well, I want to go get that. But I can't just, like, walk out of this house and, like, wander down the street in a place where I don't know where anything is and get totally lost trying to hunt down these, like, Pokemon on this app game. Uh, but now I'm home, Someone's gonna, oh, and that oh means that as soon as we are done with this, Dave, I'm walking down to Edgewater Park, and I'm going to get myself some water-type Pokemon, and it's going to be <laughs> so good. <laughs> but before that... Before that, yeah. Dave, we've got to watch episode 44 of Jetman, and we'll be back right after the break. All right, welcome back. So we've just finished watching episode 44 yep. called uh, Demon Robot Veronica. Uh, Dave, why don't you tell me a little bit about the episode before we get into it? So it's a two-parter. At least. Minimum. It's a two-parted minimum episode, and it's just like it's a good episode. Like there's a bunch of cool st- Okay, there's a bunch of cool stuff, and there's a bunch of weird points. And I don't let me let me let's just get into it. Okay, okay. So we start off so, in the environment dimension. Right. And Emperor Tranza is super stoked because his giant robot that he's been working on is finally completed. And it is the demon robot Veronica. Now, okay, just, why is it called Veronica? There is no explanation, as no, you may have come nothing, to expect at this point. Nothing. He doesn't. It's not even like it's. It doesn't look like a girl. It certainly doesn't look like Veronica Lodge, which is honestly pretty disappointing. Yeah, it just. It's he just named her Veronica. And that's it. And I thought at first, I re- genuinely, I thought that there was going to be some sort of like, oh, maybe that's like a weird translation. You know what I mean? That like, for so- it says Veronica, but like, it can't actually, nope, it's just named Veronica. You know what I think, like, Dave? Okay, here, here is my theory, is that um, what we are going to find out in just a second is that Veronica is not just a giant robot. It is a giant robot in the same way that Jet Icarus is a giant robot. Like, it's got a giant cockpit with four seats and the four Which is fire. awesome. It's totally awesome. I love anytime there's, like, an inverted or evil version of the stuff that the heroes usually use. Um, yes. So, and yeah, no, every time. Yeah, and Veronica looks awesome. It's a great-looking robot. And we find out that it has fork seats, and Tran- Emperor Transa says, hey, you guys are all super lucky because there's, like, a spot for you in Veronica – Let's go and murder the Jetman. It's going to be so much fun. So here's yeah, my you guys are going to love it. Is that uh, he named this thing Veronica in the same way that people named their cars, like Ramona. You know? Like, oh, like, yeah, I just named my... I, I built this thing, and it's my new vehicle, and I named it. And it's like, you know, old Betsy or whatever. Dude, I get... That's the only thing that makes any kind of sense. Because you just named it... It's not like the demon robot, like, Destructicus. It's just, it's Veronica. Yeah, it must be that I, he has named it as though it is his, like, new hot rod. Instead of naming it as though it is a monster that gets a name. Which, so, listen, okay. I'm into. It's his awesome, like, evil hot rod giant robot for destruction. 
it does look real slick. So it has like a very organic vibe to it. Like it's clearly a robot, but it does have a very organic vibe to it. It's all like claws and blades and eyes and stuff. It's neat. So we go from there and we just see Kauri and Akko and they are like having a drink somewhere, except they're at like the mall because Akko's too young to drink. And Akko says, well, what's what's up, Kauri? You're clearly down. Predictably, things are not going great. Right. As Between Kauri and Guy. As you may have recalled from the last couple of episodes, like Kauri seem like Kauri and Guy's relationship seems like it's not going as well as either of them had kind of hoped initially. Because as Akko is about to point out, they really come from different worlds. Like remember in the last few episodes, you know, he is being like kind of a jerk about her trying to teach him decent table manners. And then her parents come to town and are really kind of awful to Guy. And Guy storms off. And they've been having issues like this recently. Yeah. So Akko sort of like makes fun of her. And she sort of imitates them being on a date. And she says, well, if you're really in love, you know, like love the passion of lovers communicates for them or something. And then Akko, she says, you know, I knew that it wouldn't work. Like, I knew that this wouldn't... I knew it wouldn't just work out. You guys are too different. You're from different worlds. And then she says... Maybe. Like, maybe you should have just stuck with Ryu. As though yeah. that were something that Ryu were into. And, like, she had been dating him previously. I just... Dang it, dude. Akko, back it up. We do not, like... Oh, my gosh. We do gosh, not need to, stop. like, worm our way back into the maze of love. We are already flying, yeah. Dave. We are already Things- flying... On the wings of love, only you were, the two you've been waiting of us. <laughs> two weeks for that, haven't you? Absolutely, you I have. have. Don't answer. So, okay. So, Akko, you're insane. That, oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay. So, so they're, they're having this conversation. And, by the way, real quick, I just want to mention something that I had forgotten to mention last week. Um, and I'm so glad that I didn't because it works better to talk about it now. Is that the scene last week when her parents showed up? And, like, they have a weird time with Guy, and Guy storms off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That had nothing to do with that episode. It was literally just, like, a thing about their relationship that happened that had nothing to do with the monster fight. It was literally just a piece of just ongoing saga about that relationship. And now we're circling back to it in another episode, which is really fun. I was... I was surprised, man. I kind of figured that, like, you know, we would get the moment that, like, oh, they're together, like, hooray, and then that would sort of be the end of it. And I think what's really interesting about it is that I have come to expect from Sentai shows of this particular vintage that there is an ongoing story as regards the team fighting the monsters, right? Okay. Yeah. But the degree to which there has been an ongoing narrative thread about just the relationships between the characters is really surprising to me. And I think it's being done very well. Yeah. We're in like a real like J.D. Elliot will they won't they sort of scenario here. Yeah. If, you know, Scrubs instead of being a hospital show was about giant robots. Yeah, precisely. Which I think Which we can I all think agree would have made Scrubs like a lot better, so much better. Zach Braff, I know you're not doing much. Yeah, you've got all you're that Scrubs money. Not working a lot these days, just getting a giant robot. 
just get a giant robot or, you know, make like a TV show about one. Now, that that is the sort of career revival that anybody could use. That anybody can get behind. Also, I want, but I want the exact same show just on a giant scale with, ro- like, I want Zach Braff to pilot a giant JD robot. Oh, no, no, no. Dave, here's what I want, actually. I just realized it. I want it to be all like last week's episode. Where they pilot a giant robot, but every week they shrink down and have to fight monsters inside the bodies. Uh, to, like, <laughs> oh my fight gosh, off that would diseases. be amazing! Holy crap! I would legit watch that show. That's not. I know, like, we're goof. This is like funny times now. But I would a hundred percent watch that show. Oh, dude. Okay. So, anyway. Okay. Giant robot uh, so- come hospital show. Um, boy, wow! I wish I had the resources to make that happen. But Dave, what's okay. happening in this show that we actually are watching, not the one that we're so imagining. in this show. That we are actually for real just finished watching like some arms. So we we're there at the mall and we see this girl and she's just like waiting on the stairs and some arms sort of teleport in from behind her like dimensional like portal style and they just grab her and drag her away. So that girl is kidnapped, right? Yeah. So we go from there. We go to a pool and Guy is at a pool and he is there with some ladies and these two. This is amazing. These two girls together say it's been ages since you asked us out guy they us like Like, are you like a weird package deal no i okay my assumption is that guy just only ever asks out two girls at once you know like that's just how guy rolls prior to calrie i think that usually when we saw him with people it was with a girl on each arm yeah, then he's just like, oh, well, I'm like, I, I need I two go dates. back and look and see if it's always these same two, because I've never really paid attention to those girls, like, as you know they've what? showed up. <laughs> and it would be amazing if there were these two unnamed characters who have just been appearing, like, periodically throughout the show to hang out with Guy. Like, these are Guy's really great friends who he had before the Jetman that he has completely <laughs> dropped. So, so he is... I. I don't get the vibe that they're friends because he looks out into the pool and he sees the reflection of Kauri in the water. So he's clearly thinking about Kauri because he knows, he gets it. He knows that things are going super well, but he wants them to. So Guy stands up out of the chair and that dude is wearing a very tight Speedo. Oh, yes, he is. I High cut, my friends. High cut. High, yeah, high cut. I gen- genuinely, like, I was taken aback for a moment. I did not expect for any of the Jetman's love to be that sort of prominently on screen. Hey, man, listen, uh, when, when you got it, Dave, I don't know if you've heard this phrase, but in the event that you have it, it is generally recommended that you flaunt it. Dude, I, man... Well, guy is flaunting, all right. So anyways, so he like walks over and he says, I am who I am. I'm never going to change. And he jumps into the pool and he, he like, he gets off a pretty good dive, but he starts swimming laps. And I'm only noting that he's swimming laps because the girls look at him and they say, guy is so cool. It's like, dude, he's like, he's swimming laps. It's like the least cool form of swimming. Right. He is just getting, like, some decent exercise. Yeah. He's like, just not, getting like, that doing flips. Heart rate up. He is not doing cool stuff. He is he's literally like, yeah. just, like, doing a front crawl back and forth. 
Yeah, and like, and I say this as a dude who swam competitively for like a number of years. Like, it's just not. It's not like it's fun. It's really good exercise, and it's like the races are exciting, but it's not like cool, ladies. So, anyways. Uh, then there's another girl, like, as Guy is diving in, there's another girl who's getting out of the pool, and then she goes and sits down in, like, one of the Shea lounges next to the pool, and then she also is captured by, like, dimensional hands, okay? Yes, Guy so somehow two people get- fails to notice this. Dude, he's swimming laps. He's in the zone, man. Like, you don't see stuff that's happening while you're in the pool. I feel like at this point, though, that all of the jet men should always be on the lookout for weird people, like, appearing or disappearing out of nowhere. Because it's happened uh, so yeah, many times. Yeah, that's a fair And point. it's happened a few times in this episode, and each time it has been near a jet man. Like, dude, so, like, you're bound to have I, some sort of, like, Viram Geiger counter by now. Just, just keep an eye out, buds. Just... <laughs> Okay, so we go downtown, and Veronica appears, like, kind of. Yeah, a giant black, like, monolith appears. Like, the beginning of uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey style. Like, giant black slab. Yes. And so she, and so it's just, like, there, and people are freaking out, obviously, and then the Grinham soldiers capture, like, a number of more people, and they bring them into the inner chamber or whatever, and we see, like, into the inner workings of Veronica, and it turns out that Veronica is not, like, purely a robot. She's some sort of, like, weird biobot. Yeah, and she is getting her energy, like her batteries are just human beings that are plugged into its weird robo heart. And it's sucking like, yeah. the energy out of those people to power itself. And Transa thinks this is the best. He oh, laughs dude, and then... It. Yeah, he's real into it. So we go from there and then we see like, there's a really short scene and I honestly could not figure out what it was supposed to be. It just looks up, it was like... It was like weird flexing. I don't know. It was like black cloth and there were like stuff moving around underneath it. I think the idea is that we are seeing Veronica like come to life. Yeah, I think that's it. Because you see like the black cloth flexing and I think that's meant to be the outer surface of the monolith that is sort of taking shape. That all stops. Oh, okay. And then what you see, it's really cool actually. It's this white like two-dimensional drawing just on the flat surface of the monolith of the shape of Veronica with these two glowing yellow eyes. So, like, you can tell, like, it is starting to take shape. It is starting to be powered up enough, but it's not quite ready. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to take, like, a lot longer because this is not a very long episode. But, like, it's going in stages, and each of the stages looks very cool. Yeah. So, we go from there to Sky Camp. Guy, like, rolls up on base. There is sort of like this, there's an awkward moment between Guy and Kauri. They sort of, like, look at each other. And Akko, like, gets it. Like, Akko looks at them and is just like, oh. But they look at each other, Guy and Akari, and they're like, oh, hey. What's, what's, what's happening? What's up, you? Babe? You're the best. Baby? A, a, and a, then they sort of, like, leave. Lo- like, sort of I love away. you. So <laughs> the monolith appears on the screen. Like, the chief is looking at the screen, and the monolith appears. It shatters. Veronica awakens. Uh, this is amazing. And now, I just like, lo- stuff is getting real so quickly that they're, like, it's, listen, I took notes in these next couple of scenes, but stuff gets so real so fast that it's kind of hard to follow. Especially when you consider that up to this point, like, things have been moving, like, it's a good episode, but things have been moving pretty slowly. Yeah, it's, um, like, it's such a great idea. Because, okay, I've never seen another Sentai show where the bad guys had a giant robot, 
But it's just, it's so rad. Like, guys, you keep getting beat by giant robots. Just build your own giant robot. And they do. And so you're seeing, like, you're seeing bad, like, evil Sentai. Like, all four Viron commanders are up in the thing. And they're, like, piloting around. And they got, like, joysticks and stuff. And they're just destroying the city. It's okay? really great. There is a similar thing that happens near the end of Zhu Ranger. Mm. Um, which is, the obviously, the year after this. Where, um... Bandora, who is Rita Repulsa, Bandora's right. like child from dinosaur days that had been killed by, I think it had been stepped on by a dinosaur, uh, is like brought back to life by the great Satan uh, and uses his Satan powers to like make a giant robot that is powered by children that he steals. Okay. And the Zhu Rangers can't destroy it for fear of killing the children that are like powering the thing it's it's kind of the same thing again. i was gonna say this is sounding very shades of veronica e is the monster's name betty that would be a little on the nose <laughs> no but that would be tremendous okay so the jet men scramble and veronica's like freaking out not like freaking out she's destroying the city like there's and she's going nuts man there's explosions uh, there's yeah, fires you say freaking out i think what you mean is rampaging yeah, dude, like the hardest rampage that we've seen on this show yet. There's literal like there's fissures in the earth. Like the earth is opening up and like cars are falling into it. This is the and closest we- that we've gotten in Jetman to the levels of destruction that um, the great King of Terror did in Die Ranger. Yeah, this is just Veronica's going crazy. And so we see into her like weird bio heart, like bio robo heart, and the people are being drained. Like they're getting, they're doing like makeup shifts on them and like they're getting like weird gross makeup on them. And so they're losing their life force, right? So the Gemini arrive on the scene. Transit is psyched. He's like, bring it. I've been waiting for you guys. I'm so excited that you're here to murder you. Right. And so the so, Gemini, because they're chumps, have just come in their jet machines. They put them together to form Jet Icarus, and they say, okay, now we're ready. And again, because they are chumps who I guess are probably just showboating at this point, because uh, they have 43 episodes under their belt of doing a, alt, like, sometimes they screw up, but all in all, a pretty great job. Yeah, no, they've got, listen, their record versus monsters is 100%. Like, there are no monsters that are still alive that have fought the Jetman. Right. That's a good, I mean, that's a solid record. And so they show up and Guy is like, oh, right, it's time for Shot Puncher, which is the thing where, like, the fist flies out of the arm and just punches it in the chest. Yeah. So, Shot Puncher, Veronica takes it. She just stands there. They pull out the Icarus axe. And Veronica, Veronica, like, falls over when she gets hit with the Jet Puncher. Oh, that's right. She gets back up, though. And then she's just, like, taking hits. And the Jetmen are confused. They're like, this should not be this easy. Yeah, like, they pull out their crappy little axe and they hit it once or twice. And Guy even says, like, this guy is really weak. What is happening here? Yeah, and so we go over to to the other, like, the evil cockpit. And the other Viron commanders are saying, what are you doing? Transit, like, what's going on? And he's sandbagging. He says, I'm just, I'm letting them get some hits in so that when I destroy them, it will be like that much better. It's going to be like, I'm gonna so let them great, you guys. Think for a second that they can win and then I'm going to crush that hope and it's going to be mm, just so, mm, just oh, delicious. so delicious. It's going to be so good. When I can so, all of their hope. And so he does. He stands up. And the, the Jetmen at this point are like, well, I guess we'll use our other bad weapons. And they pull out the ball and chain, and it just kind of bounces off of Veronica. And then Veronica... No, it doesn't just... No, 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 no. It's busy. so much... 
It's so much better than that. They do the ball and chain map, and it goes to hit her, and she karate chops it and cuts it in <laughs> half in midair. So Veronica then just goes to town, downtown to Chinatown, yeah, so- where there's a school. There's a school in Chinatown, and they go downtown to Chinatown, where she then takes, she takes Jenna Chris to, to that school. school. To that school. Um, yeah. So they start losing very badly. And they say, okay, well, now it is time to summon uh, Jet Garuda. And Jet Garuda oh, will come and save us. Matt, okay, there's one beautiful moment uh, that we did just skip over where Veronica literally grabs Jet Icarus by its face and then just throws it. Oh, yeah, dude. I, like, it just. I legit thought when that was happening that Veronica was going to tear Jet Icarus's head off. Me too! It was almost better that he just like threw him by the head, but I did think that Jet Icarus was about to lose its uh, its head. So it shoots it with an energy blast. The Jetmen are knocked out. They Jet Garuda comes out, and Jet Garuda also goes down. Like, it doesn't even get... Okay, so sorry. We don't know... I don't know if we've ever mentioned this, but Jet Garuda always leads with the same move. It always leads with Garuda kick. Like, it flies in, and it does, like, this swoopy kick move, and then it sort of, like, joins the fight, right? Right. It does not get that move off. I think Veronica literally grabs Jet Garuda out of midair and then just throws it across the city. Yeah, and it's really great. So Jet Garuda and Jet Icarus both get up, and it's like, okay, well, now it's time for us to get together to do the Great Scramble to make Jet or Great Icarus. Because obviously, this is where we're going. We need to all combine to get the biggest robot possible, and then we're going to win, right? But the problem this is, is, so amazing. is there is a moment in like the... like Oh my gosh, this is so the glorious. The moment where they combine, and I think we've talked about it before, is where Jet Garuda and Jet Icarus basically like give each other a big high five, and that's what... like commences the transformation sequence it's so good so veronica like they're about to do it like they're walking over to each other to give like the power five and veronica just runs over and grabs their hands and stops them and this is like so finally because it means oh my gosh it's so good it means a, finally okay, it means a couple of things it means first of all that um like, Tranza, I'm sorry, Emperor Tranza has been watching them and knows their, like, transformation sequences so well. Because, I mean, they've done it at this point a bunch of times. But it also means that that was not just a flair for the dramatic that they give each other a big robot high five. It means that the giant robot high five is actually the mechanism that they use to combine those two robots. And if they can't physically high five, then they cannot combine. Yeah, it's like a tag team. Like, if you can't touch the dude, he can't get in the ring. I just love, because, like, there's that's the question. That's always the question with these shows. Yeah. Like, why don't you just shoot the lions while they're combining? And Francis is like, no, you, I'm not letting you guys get that move off. And he just and he throws them apart. It's awesome. It's so, so great. So it turns so Veronica has like a prehensile like tail spike thing that she can use and so she grabs Jet Icarus and like lifts him up and it starts kind of throwing him around there's this dramatic orchestral music playing in the background and it has Veronica has lifted up using the spiky tail thing lifted great Jet Icarus up and is about to deliver the final blow the final okay. deletion 
And so I, I knew it. I knew it was coming. And so Radigat, I'm not mad. I just knew that it was coming. And Transit and so, is gloating. He's like, now it is time. I'm finally going this, to murder you. And then and so, Radigat has the best moment. And so he has like a flashback, but it's not, it's like a fuzzy ringed, like, like a fogged camera flashback is, as though he is thinking back to like the good times, right, like you his know, great memories. It's, it's cut in the same way that it's cut when like Ryu remembers his times with Maria before she got sucked out into space. Right, and it's all just Radigat in his like demon bat form fighting the Jetmen. Sometimes he's winning, sometimes he's losing, but he thinks back to all the times that he tried to murder them, and it's all and it like yeah, warms like it's all his from the heart. Early episodes, or at least earlier, earlier episodes when yeah. Tranzo was sort of nominally in charge of the Virum. Radigat, yes. Oh, sorry, yeah. And so he, it like warms his heart and emboldens him enough that he just punches Trans in the face and yells, the Jetmen are my prey. And he like tries to jump into the pilot seat. Unfortunately, Radi- then, yeah, like he's still not nearly as strong as Tranza. So he manages to knock Tranza out of the seat for a second, but then Tranza immediately stands up and just starts to like, not quite murder him because he continues to exist throughout the rest of the episode. Um, but you can tell that he is like, he has had Real it upset. up to here with Radigat. Yeah. And so this is a great moment because, because of this internal conflict, Veronica is pilotless. She can't, she's not doing anything. She's just sort of standing right. there. Veronica is and the not Jetman, Yeah. And so Jetman say like, uh, okay. And so they pull the Bradonic saber and they sort of hack away at, the prehensile cell that's holding them up. They start. They sort of run away. Veronica generates these energy wings, and and the Viren were like, "All right, well, we got to get out of here and like figure this out." So they leave. The energy wings look awesome. They are like, they are hand animated. They're just like a cartoon of wings that come out of the back of this thing. It's a cool look. Yeah, it's real slick looking. So we go from there to Sky Camp, and it's just like the Jetmen repairing their robots. And we go to the Virum dimension, and Veronica is also being repaired, and Trans is just beating the bejesus out of Radigat. Oh yeah, he is doing all, again, like just short of killing him. And he says, listen, if you try to pull this again, you will be lucky if this is all that I do to you. Yeah, he's like, you. I think the vibe is like, listen, dude, you are just barely useful enough at this point for me to not murder you outright. But that's, but like, you're really toeing the line. You are officially on, on your last warning. Uh, what I really yeah. do like about this is while they are doing this, Gray is the one doing the repairs on Veronica. Because, yeah. like, Gray is a robot. So, of course, Gray is probably the dude you want to pull in to fix your robot. I just thought it was yeah, a nice Yeah, he gets it. Bit. And so what they do is you sort of look up to Veronica and they have superimposed the little like cockpit set that they built over the head of Veronica. So it looks like Gray is actually up there because for Jet Icarus, there's enough shots of Jet Icarus like and uh, Jetmen piloting Jet Icarus. That there is just a giant Jet Icarus head prop. That the Jetmen sit in. Right. But they're not going to do that for Veronica, but they do a little like superimposition thing. It looks neat. So Gray like connects the last two, I don't know, wires or something, and he like gives a thumbs up and Veronica's ready to go. So we go back to the city and the and Veronica are the, the Veronica, Virum and the Veronica. The Virum, Virum and the Veronica. Veronica and the Virums? 
Hot new girl group? Sure. Anyways. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Uh, so, Veronica and the Virums are back out in the city, and only Jem can stop them. Surprise, this is now a Jem podcast. Hold on to your hats. Welcome to... Oh, Dave, I'm sorry. There actually already is a Jem podcast. Dang it. Foiled again. Uh, it's okay, the so... the Jem and it's really good. You should listen to it. <laughs> so, Veronica and the Virums are back out, and they're destroying the city. And the chief is like, guys, you got to get out there. And he's like, the robots aren't done. Hey, like, we like, can't we do can't anything. We can't go out there without our giant robots. And we are still, like, updating the firmware. Uh, so, so chief says, okay, um, I'm going to send Tetra Boy out there to try to buy you, like, the five minutes you need to finish these repairs. But you better hurry because, like, this is probably not a very tenable situation. Right. So, Tetra Boy gets out there, Transa sees him, and he just says, a bloody minion. Like, super disdainful, which is awesome. Right. And then just, he, like, takes Tetra Boy apart. Apparently, Uh, uh, Transa hates minions almost as much as I do. Yeah. So, he just, he destroys, I mean, he doesn't, like, actually destroy Tetra Boy, because Tetra Boy is still around. But this is a completely one-sided fight, right? Right. So, literally all he is doing is that Tetra Boy walked out there to get punched for a few minutes until they could finish repairing Great Icarus. Okay, so we flash back to Sky Camp. Ryu says, repairs are done, and they fly out. They've made a very good decision, which is to perform the Great Scramble ahead of time. So when they show up, they are already Great Icarus, and there is no chance of them not being able to put it together. So, So, Veronica is busy beating up on Tetra Boy, and Great Icarus flies in with its jumping kick. And they think, like, yes, we have got them by surprise. (laughs) But what actually happens is that they fly in, kick Veronica in the chest, and then just bounce off. Yeah. So, like, it it does not go well. And so they just start fighting. They're, like, trading shots back and forth. It's cool. Like, the fight is a little more, like, even, I guess. So... They say, like, bird mazer. So they shoot, they get off the bird mazer shot, and Veronica generates, like, an energy shield Yeah, and basically out of nowhere. just catches the bird mazer. And all of the Jetmen just stare at them like, wait, 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 hold on. Um, that is... Um, what now? Like, that, that's our thing. That's, the, that's our win button. We just push the button, and we know win. Why no we win? What happened? <laughs> what so- happened to win? So Veronica stands up and she sort of like waves her hands and it creates a hologram. And Transa shows them, hey, this bad boy is powered by human batteries. And the more you fight, the faster it's going to drain those batteries. So now there is like, I guess, some sort of like human cost to continuing to fight Veronica. I mean, like not to be callous, but if you don't beat Veronica, then all of humanity dies, so... Potentially, I mean, like, sure, rough, but, you know, it, rough it, there's a wrinkle. For those people. There's an official admittedly. wrinkle that has been introduced. Yeah, so, the je- so like, Veronica walks over and she grabs, I think, Great Icarus's shoulders or something, like, in this moment of pause, and just a tube shoots out, like a weird, like, H.R. Geiger-style tentacle tube thing shoots out of her chest into Great Icarus's chest. And it turns out what this is, is it's like a boarding tube. Yeah, so... They don't explain that. It's just, we figure that out in a minute. So the Jetmen are like, okay, uh, this is bad. We need to evacuate Great Icarus. Like, we need to eject. Get to the eject pods. It's like, it is done. Now is the time for us to leave before we get murdered. 
Yeah, so they abandon ship. Like, they're running down. It seems like they would have some sort of, like, emergency escape thing that just, like, launches them back out of the back of Jet Great Icarus's head. They don't. I mean, in fairness, they just have to, like, run down to the feet. That's true. And also, we get, for the second time in the series, we get an interior shot of Great Icarus. Because they, they run out the back of the cockpit, and they're just running down these hallways trying to get to, like, the ejection ports. Yeah, it turns out Great Icarus is mostly composed of hallways, which is a little weird to me. Sure, but well, anyway, listen, so, Dave, okay, what do we know about technology in Jetman? It needs to be big. It doesn't need to be terribly complex. And so <laughs> there's just a lot, like it, like most molecules... Uh, and when I say most, just I mean a lot well, of empty space. Mostly empty space. Okay, so Akko, uh, they're all running away, and then like there's an explosion, and Akko, Raita, and Kauri are trapped on one side of the debris that results from this explosion. So they look at each other. There's a moment between Guy and Kauri. They say like, "You gotta run." So, so apparently, Jet Icarus is big enough. I'm sorry, Great Icarus is big enough that there are two separate eject areas. So that like Ryu He's and got Guy two feet. break off for one of them, and the other three break off for the other one. Now, Ryu and Guy are able to escape, but before the other three are able to get to their ejecting port, uh, Transa all of a sudden is inside Jet Icarus, like surrounding them with a bunch of uh, Grinham soldiers, and those three cannot escape. Oh, sorry. It should be noted that the Jetmen have been knocked out of their cross-change form. Oh, yeah. Like, by whatever. So, which is why they don't, they, you know, they're out. So, what's all, so, <laughs> we see Guy and Ryu make it to the street. Uh, they do a little jump move, I think, to indicate that they just jumped out of Great Icarus, but clearly Great Icarus is not there. Right. So they and then they turn and look up and we see Veronica and of course Veronica is really human sized right but we need to to portray somehow that guy or the jetmen and trans are running around inside her so what they do is they create a like a tiny action figure of Transa <laughs> that is in this tube and then they zoom in on the action figure and then there's a quick quick smash cut to just actually the actor standing there and he says, ah, ha, 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 I've captured these three, and I am going to put them in the battery. So their life force will be powering Veronica. And then we look at Ryu, and Ryu just looks up, and he screams, Raita, Akko! And then the show ends. Right. Now, I guess what we Kauri is also kidnapped. in that moment is that Guy is shouting for Kauri, and so they've got all their bases covered, but they do not show that. I don't know if that is a deleted scene, but it just makes it seem <laughs> as though watch Ryu the director's just cut. does not care about Kauri. <laughs> <laughs> so and you know and again this is obviously a two-parter we're gonna see kind of what goes on but we're like we're closing in on the end of this because yeah, you know, there's only what six episodes left yeah. okay well okay let's i want to talk about this but dave what is your high point of the week my high point of the without question my high point of the week is when Veronica just stops Great Icarus and Jet Garuda, or Jet Icarus and Jet Garuda from combining. I it ju- it's so, so um, it's so good because, of course, just stop, just stop them from doing the Power Five. That's all you got to do, and no one's ever thought of it, and they did it. Uh, how about you, man? Okay, my high point, and this is what you were just alluding to. I was going to mention a few weeks ago was that we were getting really close to the end of this series, but it hadn't yet started to 
feel like the series was actually coming to a close. Right. Oh, okay. Like we were forty episodes. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Just kind of getting monsters of the week. Like we would get two parters and stuff, but it never felt like oh wow, like now the climax is hitting. But now the climax is hitting, and like it's all sort of finally coming to a head. It's very exciting. It's exciting to see the show sort of get to this like end game. Yeah, just kind of like things are really starting to come to an intense head, which is rad. So what about your low point? Ah, uh, low point? I just that it's named Veronica? Yeah, but honestly, I just, like I, I said like, earlier, I, I kind of it. love that. I mean that's a lot hey, of your man. low point. I'm not I'm not gonna tell you how I'm to live say, your life. But for you're me, a free willed human being with uh, you know, whatever. So how about you, man? What's your low point? My low point is that the Weedle I am trying to catch right now is just getting out of the Pokeball, like time and time again. It's really annoying. Dude, focus. We are like we're literally in the middle of a thing. I know, Dave, but a wild weedle appeared, and I've got to catch them all. <laughs> uh, okay, my low point this week is that um, it's really weird that Akko doesn't seem to understand any of the relationship stuff that happened between Raita and I'm sorry, not Raita, Ryu and Kauri. She also wouldn't understand Raita's element of it, but yeah, that's... It's like, you have been here yeah, for the whole I, thing. Just, like, you have seen the same bits of this right? show that I, I have. You know. And I know. You just know what's up. I know that you're, you are but a child, but like, seriously, get him. Like, stuff is going on here. <laughs> These are like your best and potentially only friends in the world, um, except for that one high school girl in that one episode like half the series ago that has never been mentioned again. Also, when was the last time we saw Akko go to school? Uh, it's, it's been a while. I think maybe at this point she has just failed. She, you know what, man? She's just, she's doing it's other stuff. Listen, you know, she's, she's, uh, she's smart. She's a, she's a clever cookie. Uh, she's going to be an entrepreneur. She doesn't need traditional education. Don't be ridiculous. She knows how to make a buck. <laughs> I don't know why I'm still talking about this. We're done here, Dave. Is there anything else you want <laughs> right. to say? Nah, man, I'm, I'm good. Okay, well then that is going to do it for another episode of The Jetman with the Golden Gun. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, we are at supersentibros. If you like the show, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. We will see you next week.